Hi, I'm Gracie Sarkeesian, the Executive Director at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and our alumni have an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello and welcome to All in a Day's Work. My name is Danielle Crystal and today I'm speaking with Rita Bearden, a dance educator for the Department of Education. Rita, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So you have been in the dance world for quite some time now, right? How did you first fall in love with dance? I've been dancing since I was three years old and it's been quite a ride. I don't exactly know when I first started to fall in love with dance I always liked dancing. I remember I was like, I think 10 and I had a particularly rough year and in school and in ballet and I was feeling a little like down and I I wanted to quit halfway through the year. And my mom said, no, like I had to, I had committed for the year. And so I had to keep it going until the end of the year. And then next year I could reevaluate. But since I had committed, I had to keep my commitment. That's, I think, the year that I decided I wanted to be a ballet dancer. And then from there, it was just, it just got more and more and more intense and it just grew. Awesome. So how did you transition from the dancer to more of that teacher role? What was it like transitioning from the performer to the educator? And how did you decide to make that transition? It was a very natural transition. I was dancing full-time. I was in college for history. I have a BA in history. And I was at the same time I was dancing in like amateur companies and auditioning to go into full-time companies. This was during the recession. And so in Europe, which is where I was in Portugal, it was very hard to find a job outside of your own country, which is in dance. It's what I was looking for to go to another country because it was so hard. I had decided you know, I was going to keep going, but it was hard to find a job. And so I was taking college courses and I was dancing part-time. And then some, a friend of mine used to work at a gym and they needed like a, a coach for their gymnasts, their rhythmic gymnasts. They needed like a floor bar coach. And because I was a ballet dancer, I had a ton of, of experience And so that's kind of how I got into teaching. I was just teaching these rhythmic gymnasts, nothing about ballet, really. But the basis of, like, strength and flexibility that that I had, like, this component of the training. From then, I had auditioned to a company, and the company was part of a conservatory in the outskirts of Lisbon, and they were looking for a teacher. And I was like, well, I would happily be a teacher here. I was still in college, And so my last year of college was a little like I was kind of all over the place. So that's really how it all began. This one person that really took a chance on me and let me teach in their conservatory with no experience whatsoever. I just had like my like years of professional training and it just it kind of blossomed from there. Was it a big transition going from that performer element to the educator or how did how did it feel? It felt very natural. It was not a big transition. Um, it also came at a time where I was, you know, looking to be more independent. I was looking for a job and this became a job that was doable while I was still dancing. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a hard transition because it really wasn't a transition. I was still dancing. 
and teaching at the same time. And then I just loved it so much. I enjoyed teaching better than I did dancing. I think that's really where I was decided, okay, this is, it's time to, to kind of move in that direction. But it was, it was very natural. It was, I often say like when something has to happen, it will happen. And the, you know, whatever forces around you will pull you into this. That's definitely what happened with me. As I was, I was like fighting this fight of like looking for a dancing job and it, I couldn't find a dancing job. And so then I took, I took on this other job because it was a way to complement it. And then eventually I was teaching more than I was dancing. But at the same time, the company I was dancing in was a part of the school I was teaching. And so it kind of all just came together really nicely. And I was part of this huge community of artists. Just goes to show you never know what opportunities can lead you into what direction and that kind of thing. It's funny you say that because when I was younger, I always said I never wanted to be a teacher and I never wanted to be a choreographer. I just wanted to dance. I didn't want that responsibility. I didn't want to do any of that. Um, And my mom would say, don't say that because you never know. Like you're going to, you're saying that now, but what? And like a few years later, here we are. <laughs> so I know you, you, you eventually came to NYU um, from Portugal to study um, ballet, pedagogy. Um, what was it like coming to such a different city? It was a huge adjustment. I loved, I loved New York City. I loved it the first moment I stepped in it. I felt, it felt very at home. I never felt like it was too foreign. But it was very hard to like be away from my family and from the structure that you I was around for so long and kind of just forge my own path. It was a rude awakening, I think. It kind of woke me up to this, to my mental health or lack of mental health. <laughs> I suffer from severe panic attacks and I have generalized anxiety disorder. And so, which was diagnosed when I moved to New York City. So I did gain this incredible experience of going to NYU and like and working with American Ballet Theater, which was amazing. But at the same time, personally, I developed a lot. It, I, it was very hard to adjust. It's a very individual city, you know, and especially in grad school, even though like there's a ton of communities you can be a part of, individuality is very much celebrated and it's hard to integrate at the beginning. And so that first, I think, semester... It was very, very rough. I was like discovering a lot about myself, about who I was as a person. I was questioning who I was as a teacher and all these things that I never knew existed about pedagogy and like an education and kind of, and that it was challenging. It was challenging for who, who I was and how I was, I was, I was like 22. So that's also like, I was very young. So I think I loved it and I I still do. Yeah. So kind of continuing on that with with the role NYU played in in your growth, you know, how did it specifically shape you your perspective as an educator? So I knew when I when I was dancing and when I started teaching, I knew there were, that I wanted to break with this mold of what ballet teaching is and this oppressive kind of environment that the students grow up in and the dancers work in every day, I I hadn't realized that there was this whole other side of education, of a liberal education, of progressive education, of holistic education. These are all words that I found out in those first two or three months that kind of went together with what I originally 
had already known, but that really changed my understanding of w- my role as a teacher. And I, I, I think it was like the first seeds of me no longer being a ballet teacher and becoming a dance educator. And it was years in the making. It wasn't just NYU like planted these scenes. And of course, like the teachers at the dance education department in Steinhardt are incredible in the sense that they really make you think about it as in your own reflection as a teacher. And then when I entered the workforce, slowly, I kind of realized, oh, I could do so much more with the knowledge that I have. You know, don't get me wrong, I love teaching. I was actually even saying that this morning. I was like, I love teaching ballet, and I I miss teaching ballet full-time a little bit. But at the same time, there's so much more behind it. There's so much more that that it opened this idea of what a dance educator really can do. And I think I always knew. I always knew that there was so much more. There's no way that we had to treat dancers in certain ways for them to be successful. Like, there had to be another way. Later last year, when I decided to get certified, I, I came back to NYU. And I think that's that's why, you know, like I reached a point where I was like, I want to do more. I want to I want to I want to like grow these seeds that were planted five or six years ago and that I haven't been able because I've been limited by the range of work that I'm doing right now. And then NYU gave me the extra step I needed, which is, I think, incredible. And now a word from Sarah Rosenthal, manager of experiential learning programs at the Wasserman Center for Career Development. In a world that's increasingly connected and there's an expectation of immediate responses, it's important to make sure you're taking care of yourself to avoid burnout. Self-care looks different for everyone, but here are a few things to keep in mind. It's important to first figure out what you need and how you work. Take time to find ways to build those needs into your routine. If you have a supportive relationship with your supervisor, talk to them about how to make a plan to fulfill those needs within the context of your job. This allows you to be more proactive in your self-care and can lead to greater satisfaction at work with less burnout. Next, make sure you take breaks and build those into your day. The 2020-20 rule is a good place to get started. Look 20 feet away from your screen for at least 20 seconds every 20 minutes. Breaks also mean getting in some movement. That could mean taking the stairs instead of the elevator or creating an exercise regimen. Breaks for food are also really important. Lunch breaks are about more than giving your body the fuel it needs to get through the day. It's about giving your brain some time to recharge. Set goals and boundaries that work for you and your job. Celebrate wins and also take your vacation time when you have it. And most importantly, be kind to yourself. Now back to the show. You mentioned some challenges that you encountered in your own education as a dancer and your own trainings as a dancer. What are some of those issues and in what ways did those motivate you as a teacher and what kind of seeds did NYU plant in in your education? Uh, yeah, it's a big question. <laughs> um, yeah, once I decided I wanted to be a professional dancer and I wanted to be a professional ballet dancer, all these issues came up, you know, my body, my weight, 
uh, my structure, my strength, my flexibility. And I was 12, you know, <laughs> everything changes at 12. And it was particularly, it hit me particularly bad. I, and I changed a lot during puberty. And so the te- teachers were very oppressive with me and would point fingers and would he- be use humiliation and negative reinforcement as, you know, stim- stimulus, like as ways to try to get me to reach those objectives. And obviously that was worse, <laughs> you know, like it became this huge, huge issue. One of the issues that I think I still deal with, honestly, is body dysmorphia. Like I think I still, and I'm still dealing with it and I'm, you know, I had a baby since then, you know, and life has changed so much, but I knew I didn't want that. And NYU with American Ballet Theater, a part of that program includes work with physical therapists and human development experts, right? And so that was one of the things that they really worked on is that up until you're 18, the body is changing. There's, you don't know, you know, there's, and, and you have to respect that in a child. And as a teacher, you have to see the strengthens and the weaknesses, but not necessarily point them out, not, not necessarily reinforce the weaknesses, right? And so I, and that was something I was very focused on. And, and that brought along a lot of issues and later on during auditions. And I would have a, a lot of issues in terms of performing and performing in front of judges, you know, being judged. That was, that used to be a huge issue. And so I knew as a teacher, I never wanted to be like that. I knew that that was something I wanted to break with. And of course, it's just that I realized there's this whole other world. You know, when you're so obsessively thinking about ballet or a specific kind of contemporary dance, you don't see all these other possibilities that are around you that, you know, I could maybe would have been more suitable for my body type and that I could have thrived in. I I think as an educator, it is our job to help students realize their full potential. Definitely. It sounds like you were able to find some some of your own support systems in Portugal, but very much so when, when you got to NYU. But do you have any advice to give to dancers who are trying to navigate a body-centered dance world? I think the major advice I would give is to always remember that who you are is not defined by, by the body that you have. And that despite what your body looks like, that does not mean that you're not able to do what other people do. That works for everyone, I think, and in every, in every profession. And so just know, know your strength. Be, you know, like you might encounter the people that will point out things that maybe you're, make you very self-conscious, but go back to that safe space that is, and this is a huge, super hard thing to do. <laughs> like, you know, remember the strength, be able to see beyond that, see beyond your body. I think that's what I try to do myself. And I'm still, this is still a work in progress. Actually, through NYU, that was one of the things that I really learned was who I was as a dancer, like my natural body movement. And it was not ballet, obviously. It kind of gave me another identity of, of the dancer that I am that I had never really realized. I feel like that's really helpful advice. Like you said, for any profession, not just for dance, but for any profession at all. You mentioned you eventually became certified to teach. What were the challenges and benefits of going from being a teaching artist to working full-time for the department of education? 
One of the major benefits is the stability that comes with it, which is really why I wanted the shift in the job. You know, you're you're all of a sudden have this like specific time period that you are working for in the very specific, always in the same location. Like as a teaching artist, you're a traveling teacher, right? So you're w- working all over the place at all times. Um, and it's not as st- stable. Like I might be working here this week and then next week I don't have a job. And then the week after I have four jobs, you know? And so I think that was the huge benefit that came out of it. And obviously like all the benefits that come with being a public employee, right? Another thing is teaching artists are very underpaid and underappreciated. That was a huge difference in terms of like the stability of the pay and all those, all those things. I really appreciate also like having the ability to see the, the students all the time, you know, having always the same groups of students and seeing them grow and seeing them not only in one year, but, you know, being able to build a foundation that then I'll grow and grow and grow, you know, like, and, and go from there. You get to be attached, you know, you get to find, you find out who you're teaching and shape what you're teaching to the person you're teaching. But I, I'm also like, I'm very lucky that I teach for a school that is very supportive of the arts. And so that was a huge deal for me. Yeah, <laughs> the stability is, is a big deal, is definitely a big deal. So the pandemic, right, changed everything a little bit. <laughs> it had a huge effect on teachers in general, but I'd imagine this is especially true for arts educators. When the pandemic shut everything down, how did you adapt? So uh, as a teaching artist, one of the big scares was the jobs were gone. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden I didn't have a job. Thankfully, the companies I worked for were incredible and generous and kept us going. Of course, you know, we had stuff that had to change, but I was still able to teach. That first, those first six months, though, were, were very, were very, very tight and I didn't teach that much. I only taught like a couple of days a week. But the silver lining was I I had just had a baby in August of 2019. And so I was coming out of maternity leave when, when the pandemic hit. And I was already like in the process of like not being able to see my son, you know, two nights a week because I was teaching after school. And, you know, so I was getting into this hustle again and I was missing out on a bunch of other things. And so the the pandemic brought the silver lining of like I was able to watch my son grow. That's first year of life. I was with him all the time. And while I was still teaching, I was still able to work. I was still doing YouTube live classes with DS Theater Parliament and I was still teaching as a faculty member and I was still doing zooming into Google classrooms and public schools but at a diminished rate so I was able to really enjoy that and it brought to the forefront this idea that there are other things that are important besides the hustle. Teaching dance and <laughs> really is not nice remotely like you know it really is not. I was able to just like have to readapt or a lot. I did a lot of pre-recorded classes teaching to a wall. That was a very interesting process, especially if you're teaching preschoolers like I was. So it was me and my dog and, and, you know, like through during my son's uh, nap times, trying to like be, you know, video like a 30 minute class. And so that was, you know, it was an experience and it, it gave me a lot of reflection time on 
because I was editing all these videos of me, you know, and I was watching me teach. And so it gave me a lot of reflection on like how I teach and the content I teach and things like that. Wow. I, I, I think the idea of the reflection on your own way of teaching, like watching yourself back is so interesting and like learning how to, you know, improve in various ways and adding in that cultural element that just adds so much to it just because of the need to be creative with, with what yeah. you're doing in the, in the pandemic. And, and at home, like, do I have the space? Do other people have the space? You know, how can we adjust big jumps? Can't do big jumps anymore. Like <laughs> that's a big part of a dance class, you know, and also just the confidence like a, a lot of these pre-recorded classes went on Instagram on for American Ballet Theater and like they're a worldwide organization or like YouTube dance theater problems that these live YouTube classes that stayed they're still there and so then all of a sudden I'm like on YouTube and people are like live chatting me from like South Carolina <laughs> you know like I'm like oh my god so like that had really it just you know once you're in that you're like well I got to be confident, like I'm doing my thing here and I'm just going to take it. So I think that in that sense, it was really good. Like it gave me this idea of, oh, hold on. I kind of know what I'm doing. I have a lot to learn, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually adding in so much of a more connection, not only with, you know, the person from South Carolina who's watching on YouTube, but again, bringing in those cultural elements, just making what seems like this wide, wide world a little bit more. For sure. And also just, it was an opportunity. Like I, I used to, my friends in Portugal would log into those YouTube live classes and be like, Hey, like, I've never seen you teach before. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Oh wow. Yeah, that's true. They have never seen me teach. I never get to take a class taught by you. I'm like, Oh yeah, there you go. You know, so I think it, the global community became much stronger in that sense, and especially in dance. So what's next for you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but hopefully, like, no more major shifts in life. I want to, like, grow roots a little bit, I think. I love the community I teach in the Bronx, and so I'm hoping to, like, settle in a little bit and be able to kind of develop the dance program at that school and make it my own and, and like, just develop that. And I think it's just time to kind of focus on myself as I think as an educator more than um, as a dancer. I've started kind of thinking of myself more as, a, as an educator or a choreographer, not as much as a professional dancer. I don't know, like, and I, I'm looking forward to that, to like having kind of like the uproar that was my life the past couple of years, kind of like see see what comes from that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure being here. This has been All in a Day's Work. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log on to our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Danielle Crystal with episode guest Rita Bearden. We're produced by Sarah Rosenthal and Ben Barzilai, edited by Ben Barzilai, and created with support from Emily Anderson, Haley Garofalo, and Joseph Mercadante. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.